It feels Don't like sleep. The- my wife, she's around. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, it's time to podcast. Somewhat of the inverse of who let the dogs out. My dog is asleep and my <laughs> wife is outside. It's time to make podcasts to still feel alive. The Hello, Baja Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Hello, and thanks for tuning in to At The Table. Tonight, we have our incredible hosts, <laughs> Spin The Wheel, who's who's still here. Migraines have struck the nation. Last week, it was me. And this week, it who is else me. is here? <laughs> oh, no. Shall we try this again? No. <laughs> no, we're not cowarding out of this. We're fucking doing it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, CJ has taken ill, uh, so tonight it is myself and Jess. Say hi, Jess. Hi, Jess. Yeah! Yeah, we go on as we mean to continue. Welcome to Chaos the Podcast. Oh man, I've got to change all of our shit now to say Chaos the Podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'll get t-shirts made. I can I can whip that up. And by me, I mean, I'll ask Paul to whip that up. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> what have you been up to this week, Sam? uh well gosh uh this week since last we recorded i have played first episode or uh, first session zero of uh beyond the witch light that someone set up a player from my uh home campaign and went all out went for like a full party like made the house a carnival for beyond the witch light it was nice. incredible um i have been trying to write a lancer campaign uh mm-hmm. because i was quite angry at the coronation i was like gosh if i had a mech we could solve this so i decided to write that um i went to norwich dicini which is like a local war gamey slash tabletop um convention and i bought some terrain which was fun uh and and we had a dragonlance cliffhanger in our last oh, dragonlance uh, uh, game stop it uh uh, uh, uh so similarly being in said Dragonlance uh, group, I have spent the majority of the last week thinking pretty much exclusively about ways to get out of our predicament. Essentially, we are level four characters. We've got two clerics. Mm-hmm. Um, two of our party members have been petrified. Mm-hmm. One, I believe, did Alda fail all their death saves? No. No. Okay. So, but has failed two death saves has one left then yeah um and francois i think has just failed a death save death save as well so we are looking down the barrel of losing potentially two um uh, two two friends two party members and uh i'm i'm a level off getting greater greater restoration we don't have anything on us we are a day and a half out from near a city we don't this is we're milestoning xp (laughs) so we can't literally just roam to a random place and like blitz through the local populace of whatever to xp farm we can't be like i'm doing this for my friend (laughs) (laughs) no we can't do that and and no it has um because we we have formed a friendship super fast and furious on this what with the sort of yep. 16 17 sessions in and are very very 
attached to one another. And the idea mm. of losing these two characters now is very hard. I can't, yeah. I've not been able to process the reality in which we live where these two characters are gone. So I have spent the last week um, pretty much hounding Paul <laughs> about, wait, because Paul knows D&D like the back of his hand and can recite rules offset. And I don't, I, that's not how I do things. That's not how I've ever done things. So I've been saying like, oh, could, could I work it this way? Could I work it that way? And every option I've come up with like 3 a.m. I woke up very drunk and I basically was like I think I've got it and he was like go back to bed fuck the fuck's sake go back to bed it's been plaguing me hounding me um to the point where I thought the answer came to me in a dream spoiler alert it didn't um (laughs) but um I think ultimately the uh at the end of this uh my character's big thing is going to be as a cleric. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to appeal to the gods, and I'm gonna have to pray. I roll well, and that's it. That's, and I hate the fact that it hangs in the balance like that. And especially in a setting like Dragonlance, where yeah. like, not not like in other like D and D settings, it's kind of like ambiguous. Like, are the gods here? Like in Greek myth and legend, just like around the corner, but you just can't see them. In Dragonlance, they're like, they went. We pissed them off. They're gone. It's your fault. Like that's that's the the writing on the wall of Dragonlance. Um, like they're not interested because we pissed them off. Yep. So I mean, so a, a specific set pissed them off. But like I, you know, yeah. I get it. I understand it. Um, I I just I wish that right now they were <laughs> they were more amicable. Um, because I like I'm thinking about it in terms of what our incredible DM Jordan would play it in his head and how he would look at the situation and go, cool, what's, what's it worth? What's, what, what are their lives worth? And then having to figure that out. And I think I have something, I'm not going to say it because it will ruin it for you, but we'll see maybe next week on next week's podcast, if it plays out. Um, But I don't know if like, if CJ has a plan, if you have a plan, but basically Francois and Elder are, are out of commission and i can't i can't think of a, a game that we play where it's not alder and francois but i'm fully aware that this could be a meat grinder campaign and that we end up with a bunch of different characters and that'd be really fun but at the moment i'm very attached to our yeah, group it's, for, you know oh. i've played campaigns where like a main character dies and everyone's like oh no that's unfortunate anyway here's yeah. your brother like and they just step in and you're like oh that's fine or like someone gets swapped in uh, but for these ones like um Lucy's character who's playing the the ranger has been like very light like literally their their whole bit is I have no trauma like I'm oh. I am tabula rasa I am a blank slate in which to emote joy upon and experience the world and James's character as Francois has been like like one uh, like the I would say uh, the partner of religious trauma that you're playing your character with yeah and, and that seeing those like intertwined like snakes on a staff has been like incredible <laughs> so to lose either of those is just gonna leave um like you the lost and abandoned <laughs> cleric me a fighter who uh, pretty much just said his all his stuff last episode um and we'll have CJ as as redacted, yeah, uh, as but redacted. redacted, but also redacted, um, redacted. <laughs> uh, 
our secretive scribe and silver-tongued um, Sylvanesti elven extravaganza of a character, and we're gonna all three of us just be looking at each other. Fucking, I, I, I don't know how that would play out if we lost both. I'm, yeah. I haven't prepared myself for a reality where we have lost both, so we will see how all of that plays I, out. But I think I'm, in my brain, I'm just there, like, well, they'll just make the next save, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's not a reality at this point where they don't make the next save in my head and I don't know what will happen to my mental status. <laughs> oh my. Not, not to mention we've got like an in-person game in like a, oh. a week and a bit. Oh, oh and they've all bought the minis. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. James bought two. Oh God, no. <laughs> no okay no it would be too tragic it would be too tragic right if anything this has given yeah. me as a as a person more inspiration to make my character do something so insane um but we will see we will find out um and speaking of character and player um meshes and melds and combinations um I have been reading this week. Uh, finally, I've gotten around to it. I got it on like two weeks ago, and it's only this week I've gotten around to it. The Die RPG, and I'm, mm. I've been so excited for it, and then I haven't had time, and only this week have I started on it. And so far, um, the way that they have uh, translated the comic books over into the roleplay version is really interesting, because instead of like your typical, oh, you are immersed in a fantasy world. Die, the comic book series, follows characters and players, but mainly how the players affect their characters and breaking that fourth wall and how trauma experienced in the real world manifests in their characters, how experiences in the real world manifest in their characters. Um, And the the role-playing game takes that into account. You are players. So there's, there's you, the player... So, for example, me, Jess, the player, plays yeah. someone in game as a player who then also has a character. Oh, okay. So, so it is like we're finally doing this. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a, like a three layers. So you get um, sort of the the opening session is you finding your party. Uh, you mm. guys all coming together to play a game. Uh, of, of Dungeons and Dragons, a TTRPG of your of your um, choosing, and being presented with a set of die. Um, and once you roll the die, it's like Goth Jumanji is the <gasps> the yes. like the description that they've used in the book. And all of the characters are transported into the world of die. In the comic book series, the world of die is this um, twenty faceted world, and on each faceted face is a different um, setting. So on one side, it could be um, World War II, and on another side, it could be ancient Greece, and on another side, it's the the Roman Empire, and all of that. It could be Bridgerton and My Little Pony. It could be anything that you want. Oh, that's where I live. (laughs) It's a great combination. Hmm. But you, the master decides sort of what element is where. Um, But it's the players, the the background of the players that influences a lot of in-game... play really so you get to influence the game for example you get you can receive uh, an additional success or inspiration as it would sort of translate by having a flashback to your past as a player and and then moving that forward in there 
the characters that they have and the ways um, that they're set out, they're called paragons. Mm. So your paragon is um, a, a couple sort of random ones. So your GM would be a master and the master plays along as well um, and has a character and all of that within it. Um, then you have emotion knights. They draw off of a core key emotion, whether it be anger, grief, happiness, um, and that when they feel it in game, wields them so they have to be reminded of things in like the outer world like someone uh someone passing or you know a trauma or it could be a happy memory and that's what powers them in game um you have neos that are techno magical elf uh elves that run on fair gold which is uh provided to them in world but these are uh, like roguish creatures that m- are meant to have like a, a very secretive past, um, mm. dictators that are able to twist the hearts and minds of uh, anyone with a word and bind people to them. God binders that are able to trade with the gods and basically sort of get miracles at a cut price and with consequence in the back end. It's a really nice set, like a really clean set of characters, and the, but there's not loads of them. So you've only got maybe like, Ooh, I think I... it's like five. So you, it, it's easier for like newer players to understand, yeah. which is nice. Um, so that's sort of the main setting. And then the mechanics, it's all D6s. It's yes, all... of course, because you're going to be on these different facets. So it's going to be, yes. cha- you're going to have to change it. So there's um, no point in making like a hard base system if you're going to be constantly moving to these wow okay so roll but it again is very much based on human probability so if a a, if something would be a success is effectively anything rolled over a four um and then your sort of key i can't remember what they call them like the core mechanics effectively are like are Mm. still like your strength your dexterity your constitution um and then depending on the character you choose, uh, you have a set number of D4 for each one. Um, but in terms of what would be considered a success, if, for example, say like, oh, you lift up a boulder that is five times the size of a man. Um, mm. It is based on the human probability that a human could do it. Not anything else, not not with any magic applied. It's just within the realm of human possibility. That's the, that's the difficulty level. Okay, um, yeah, that and it makes sense. Doesn't switch really between characters unless there's a special ability or unless they've been given um, special dis- dispensation. Otherwise, um, so it's still very. It feels very grounded in reality, and then yeah. you are attempting to transpose yourself onto a player, onto a character, and draw it all back up and into yourself. And it's quite interesting the way it's been played out before. But again, I'm, I'm only a few pages in at this point. I like the mechanics. I like the setting. I like the way it's it's translated. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited. Very do you excited think it lends? Do you think it lends itself to a long form campaign or like a particularly short? Like, if you say, "Oh, we're going to play six games of this," what so, do you think? This is the really interesting thing. You win die. You can win die in okay. any number of ways. The main one is to get out. You will want to get it again. It's Jumanji, sort of think Jumanji. Right. You've all been transport- yes, transported in. You win if you all agree to go home, or Ooh. if you all agree to stay. And it is the master's uh, sort of decision on how best mm. to split the party. 
it is up then to like one person effectively to try and divide the group. Mm. So the master will win, of, of course, by sort of trying to keep everyone there because they've they've trapped them. But it will depend on how you want it to play out. So I would say it would fit both short and long form, but I could see it depending on how complex people want to create their personas versus their paragons, so their um, their their characters versus other way around their players versus their characters. Um, They could stay in there forever. It's it's the nice thing. (laughs) But I think it really, the the mechanics lend itself really, really well to a a long form game that is heavy on the role play, uh, which I quite love. Um, And yeah, at this point, quite excited. Quite excited. That is very intriguing. Yeah, keep us posted on, on how on how that develops. Shall do. Shall do. Um, and the only other thing I've been up to in the last couple of weeks, uh, I'll be able to say it because uh, it will be out tomorrow as we are recording it now. Um, D20 Deathmatch. Uh, yeah. Vipon's Return Part 2 with myself and the amazing, immaculate and wonderful B. Dave Walters. Uh, B. Dave Walters! A, a couple of guys! We're just a couple of fucking couple guys! Of guys. Um, yeah, playing the sort of uh, super ego and id to Vipon as the id, as the uh, ego itself. It's it's a very fun little thing that we recorded um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Becca Godsley or um, Caustic Phoenix as DM, absolutely phenomenal. Mudcat as Vithorn, uh, a brilliant player. I highly recommend you go check it out. Uh, that is D20 Deathmatch. Um, How would you describe D20 Deathmatch to those who haven't uh, watched it yet? So uh, the section that B Dave and I in are is like a, an aside. The ret- uh, following the um, a champion called Mud- uh, called Vithorn, who was played by Mudcat in the series. But D twenty Deathmatch is you pit uh, two players against one another, and they fight to the death uh, with D twenties. Effectively, but it's just two two of your favorite characters uh, or two characters that have been created purely to fight it out in a coliseum. Um, I believe B. Dave is the reigning champion with his previous character. I cannot remain, remember the name of it. Um, but yeah, I can see why, having played next to him, I can absolutely mm. see how he fucking annihilated a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend It's a very fun, um, it's a very fun series. I would recommend go checking it out. Um, and they're on all of the socials and everything uh, at D20 Deathmatch. You were also on Questing Time. Oh yeah, shit! I was on, <laughs> I was on that as well. Yeah. Oh no. Um, yes, playing a, 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 a yeah another super dumb, super stupid character because uh, that's that that's my lane. I I have one day I will do serious and I will create a character that is meant to break hearts and will follow the light. But mm-hmm. that is not today or in the next 10 years, as far as I can see it. I'll create a fucking Aracocra pigeon dickhead who t- sounds like Danny Dyer. Yeah, absolutely. Has he got any feet? No. Why would he? <laughs> Let's go. The, um, the, the <laughs> amount of fact finding you and Paul were doing as you were describing your character. This bird not have feet. And you're like, no. no, they don't. And I know fully well that you were like, I hadn't thought about the feet until just now. <laughs> You know me so well. It was it was when we were it 
was uh, it was Daya Daddy coming down the um, the ladder into the sewers, and I I remember saying to Paul, like, it'd be really funny if you had a peg leg. I think that'd be really nice. But also, I called to the fact that pigeon lose their feet quite often because um, of the amount of infections they get. And then I forgot which one. I forgot which leg he was meant to have as a peg leg. So it's like it'd be easy if he just Buzz. does two peg legs. Oh, pigeon. <laughs> And I forgot. Oh, thank God. Thank God for... Uh, it, oh, he's a, ta- a transient character. Just had to, mm-hmm. He just had to exist for one session and he did that. Um, I liked him a lot. He might return if I let him. Uh, but Good. I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of... Dyer Denny. Oh, God, that was so stupid. That was such a, I, a vocal choice that I regret. <laughs> I enjoyed the, like how hard of a Britishism that was. So it was just people Awful. were in like, what's happening? What's Diet Dan? I'm like, no, this is gold. You it sit was, down. I, I didn't yeah. realise that Ed in playing um, Ernie Littlebeak, I didn't realise Ed is actually from like the East End. So it was just like, <laughs> I really enjoyed walking into that and basically being like, hello, Ed. I'm a caricature of you and your character. Fuck you. I didn't I had, meant to do that at all. I felt so fucking stupid. I had, <laughs> I'm coming into where you eat and I'm shitting. Exactly. I live in now. What I oh. liked was that you like pivoted on the accent. You were like, I'm doing whatever accent. It's okay. It's fine. Because they're like looking at you through the camera. Before we got in as well. Uh, because it was it was meant to be a cockney geezer, Danny mm-hmm. Dyer sort of hard man. I'd watched so much Danny Dyer just nonsense like that day, like trying to pick up on it. Like, oh, Good, you yeah. fucking nugget! Oh, Method. you darn it! Yeah, and I was going with that, and then just beforehand, Paul was like, oh, "I'd be really funny if you did some like cockney rhyming slang." It's like, oh yeah, that'd be great. That'll be yeah, it'll be up the apples and pears. You know, I know some of it. Yeah, that'd be yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, the minute that we started recording, my mind just went blank, and I think I pulled something out of my ass that was just the worst thing. It was like it made no sense, and I went, and that's enough of that. Uh, we'll we'll not be doing that for the rest of the campaign. Um, for- for fear of not only offending everyone in the East End of London, um, including the one that is sat opposite, like on Zoom with me, but also because I don't think I'll be able to look myself in the eye. Like I, I won't be able to look in a mirror and, and have any self-respect left. It's like so. that clip from I. I think it's like uh, I can't remember. It's from Nickelodeon show where they're like, "Go on, do it again." It's like, "No, I feel like I've made a mistake of some kind." <laughs> I felt it immediately. <laughs> yeah, I, I've definitely done it when I was uh, Charlie Teachley. I was just making some random accents or some choices, and I'm like, uh, that's not one that will be consistent. No, I don't think anyone's <laughs> going to be worried about that. No, that's, that's a dead end for that bit. Cool. Consistency is for cowards. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, real real rpg is uh we fly by the seat of our pants we change that accent Look, whenever we fucking want we make the rules we know that humans are messy and complicated and contradictory and so why wouldn't these highly curated characters be that apart from the Correct. fact that we wrote like 300 words of backstory why and would they? and they were like a real big tough guy in the backstory and now that they're just they're just a geese they're just like a little geezer doing just their own thing 
just a lad, just a lad. I was, yeah. I felt so wonderfully happy. Like B Dave came in to mm-hmm. that session as Baker, the Goliath barbarian um, for, you know, a heist um, Keys to the Golden Vault is what Questing Time is playing at the moment. And I thought, oh, Danny Dyer, Cockney, Geezer, Rogue. Oh, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. Jason Statham of it, you know. Oh, Dean Gat, lovely jubbly. Uh, and, and Baker comes in and I'm like, this is perfect. He's a muppet of a character. He's huge. He'll be so hard to miss. Like, this is what we want in a heist. This is This is the character that has so many issues. This is the Dwayne The Rock Johnson of Ice. Like, mm-hmm. just so big and meaty in front of you. And um, I'm trying to figure out how to do this heist beforehand. Just like, I'm not entirely sure anybody even get. And the minute that Dave just started, like, ripping into the side of a building, I was like, this ain't a heist anymore. <laughs> We've lost it. We've, uh, this is cause chaos and see what happens at the end. And I could could see the control like slipping from Paul. I was like, I've seen him like creating this entire masterpiece of a of a heistable building and and setup and all sorts for like a week um, in the lead up. And then I've just gone and looked at it and realized that we're just going to destroy a building that looks like a cake and be happy about it. As as is mentioned in Annals of History, past any plan always fails when it meets B. Dave Walters. <laughs> that's what Napoleon said. That's what Caesar said. No plan survives contact with B. Dave Walters. B. So. Dave Walters, like, plans hinge on that man. And let's be fair, yeah. rightfully Around so. Around him. If you have a plan and it hasn't incorporated B. Dave, you've made a bad plan. You've made an error. A grave error. <laughs> So yeah, that's what I've been uh, fucking around doing this week. <laughs> Sorry, this last month. Uh, just having a nice time with everything. I've also been playing a lot of Magic the Gathering um, as well because I found a deck that I really like. And yeah, that doesn't really yeah. tie into anything. But um, highly recommend if anyone can get their hands on them. Uh, the Warhammer 40k Necron deck uh, commander. It is fucking brilliant. I love it. Friend, friend of the show... Uh... Chris, uh, who does Roll Plus Pod, uh, he taught me how to play Magic. Uh, so it's just me and Becky just staring at these Magic cards whilst he's like explaining the principles, and just me and Becky looking up at him like a puppy who's just been taught like <laughs> general relativity. And we were just like, huh? And then I'm like, this one's got a pretty picture. This one, he's like, okay, that's not what you can do, but that's fine. Learning one magic. day, I'll understand it. It you once you get it, it's really fun. But those initial matches that you're having, where you're trying to figure out how the decks work and the engines build, like it's taken me fucking months. This is the first deck where I've gone. I love it. I will never play anything else. I get it now. Like you know, everything sort of comes together, Matrix style. Like I see, I see the world now. It's it's the code. It's the code. No MTG. I know. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is red pill and en- en- no blue wait red pill energy. Pill. It's pill energy. It's We're pill energy. blind on this podcast. We don't know. <laughs> we just swipe some pills. Good luck. <laughs> Certainly explain a lot of the nonsense that comes out my face. <laughs> uh, the um, it, it once 
once you get the hang of all like the terminology, there's still terminology that I don't understand, and I'll have to be like, Paul, what does that mean? Or just Google it in most cases. But they just mm. it works eventually, and what there's there is a satisfaction in being able to look at like look through a deck and then go, I know how this works. I know how I can work this to my advantage. I know what I need to start off with. I know what a mulligan is, and like nonsense like that, and and then eventually learning how to play it is really good fun. It's really, 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 really good fun. Um, so when we go away, when we, I'm, we're going to play some magic. And I think when we yeah. all play it together as pals, I think it will be fun. Um, but now that I understand how to play magic, I want to get more people to play magic so that I can play magic with them because I'm Excellent. selfish. <laughs> Becky and I will turn up with our uh, football st- Merlin stickers are Pokemon cards. Just shove them on the table. Like, are these good? Are these good? <laughs> I'm sure we can make like we can make a version. We can make some cards. Yes. <laughs> uh, the at the t- at the table MTD deck coming, <laughs> and all all retailers. I'm gonna. I I want to play like a podcast version of like Fuck. Magic: The Gathering on Arena. I think that would just. I want. Oh god, I'm thinking about. You want like, the off- TTRPG sphere, but yeah. as MTG decks. <laughs> That's I don't reckon we're too far off that. There's a there's a company called Secret Layer that do special uh, versions of cards. Uh, so they did like, for example, the um, the Dungeons and Dragons movie characters. Uh, we've got. Oh, yes, those. I saw those. Yeah, those yeah. are uh, yeah, you know, and so what's to say in like a couple of. Uh, for, let's be fair seeing the trajectory we're on weeks uh we won't see like critical role kids on there or something like that who knows who knows what the kids will buy these days kids will buy anything these <laughs> days lord of the rings uh, uh both oh, commander yes. and base sets are coming out soon and boosters as well um mm. i think it's june is the release for those and sure. i would be lying if i said i wasn't buying a lot of them or had a lot of them on pre-order because the character art for it alone is worth yeah. the prices that they are currently going for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware. I'm aware of how fucking expensive they are. My bank account is so aware. <laughs> Stay tuned for this space where Jess becomes a MTG TikToker going, look at the cards, look at them. Oh, I wish. I wish. Is that a thing? <laughs> is MTG on TikTok? It's got yeah. It, it is. must be. I know. I it's just kind of adjacent to my spheres of animals, people who are excited about Zelda <laughs> and TTRPGs. And that's kind of where I'm at. Um, it's a yeah. good sort of Venn diagram of where you sit in internet space. I think is to see what recommendations I get like a come TikTok up on your TikTok. Yeah, make it make a TikTok account where you're like, look at these look at these fucking Necrons, man. That would require having a TikTok account. I don't know if I have. <laughs> I'm not like you I'm can't not cut that many slithers off your soul. Right. I know this not is, much. I know this is a podcast, right? I'm aware yeah. this is a podcast. I'm doing something very visually. I'm going to describe it as best as I can for everyone who has managed to listen to all my bullshit so far. Right, right. I'm wearing. <laughs> I'm wearing flare trousers, right? Mm-hmm. I'm wearing flare trousers. I haven't worn flo- like flare trousers since I was like 13. Because at 13, it was really cool to wear skinny jeans. And after that, all I wore was skinny jeans. And now, thanks to TikTok, I have a middle part and fucking flare trousers. And I don't know what's real anymore. 
I don't know if I'm myself or if I, like, I, I also don't know if it's weird for a 30-year-old woman to be following TikTok trends. I I don't know where the line is, is drawn. Is that weird I, now? I don't no. know, but sometimes I'm just like, am I doing this to fit in with the kids? Or is it because I actually have a personality where I think this is okay? Honestly, I think, I think yeah, they may, they may be onto something with the flare trousers. I enjoy that. I enjoy, I enjoy the stretchiness at the bottom. I like it a lot. <laughs> but also, like, in all my in all my adult life, I've not gone. Oh yeah, I'll wear anything other than skinny jeans. And now I'm just like, what is reality? TikTok, TikTok can get no. fucked. I just feel like my world is out of my hands at the moment. So yeah, no, fuck it. Why not? Let's do an MTG TikTok account, and I'll cry over it there. I guess. <laughs> Okay, but you have to tell us if you get the the one ring card, which is like, I know. The hunt is on. The hunt is already on. I've seen so many people on Twitter just like the amount of money we're about to sink into finding the one ring. Yeah, the unironic, like, people are going for it because it is the only one. I'm like, you did all read the book, right? Like, we do know that this is is (laughs) the thing, right? This is essentially... What J? This is what Tolkien was. J.K. Tolkien. J.K. No, no, stop. (laughs) No, in my head I was like J.T.T. Tolkien because my fucking yeah, just like all of the initialed fantasy authors just combined, and then C.S. Lewis is down in the corner like, remember me? No, we don't. Go away. Leave. No, I just I, I I. I am fully aware that this is what um, Tolkien was basically advising against, and now that now that we're here and it's printed on pieces of cardboard, we're all like, "Nah, fuck it!" Like rules out the window. Let's go. Nah, don't worry. He, he said in the foreword of his book, like, "None of this is allegory. Get fucked. It's about dwarves." Right, carry on. <laughs> has it always been dwarves? Always has been. <laughs> always. <laughs> more that. visual reference memes for you to enjoy at home listener i'll i'll describe it to you in the in the added added <laughs> dialogue but for now let's move on to our discussion topic yes um uh, you deep? posited you posited in the group chat uh, quite an interesting thing because we were like mm. hey what would we like to talk about next i've got a few things in queue uh but but usually if I just suggest things, it tends to be, what's cool about Lancer? The cool thing about Lancer <laughs> is that Lancer's very cool. So we, we thought we'd take a little break from that. Uh, and Jess said, um, uh, what what did you say in the chat? What's the, so, what's the vibe? I I have noticed, as we, as we because, well, if you look at us creating a podcast on TTRPG in the industry and... Uh, if you look at every other podcast that has sprung up over the last couple of years regarding a TTRPG or the industry, or if you look at any YouTube channel or TikTok account or Twitter or Instagram or anything, you'll notice that TTRPGs are everywhere. Mm. The industry has never been bigger. The movie for the biggest franchise um, and branch of TTRPGs has just come out. Um, are we, are we at the point where the bubble bursts now? Because the market is so heavily saturated with as many TTRPGs as you can uh, fling a stick at. Mm. Don't think that's a turn of phrase, but there we go. You can, it is now. <laughs> you can't look 
anywhere at the moment without TTRPGs being on shelves, being in people's homes. Like people know the names of not just Dungeons and Dragons, but like Pathfinder and a bunch of others as well. It it isn't stopping at this point. It TTRPGs have literally never been bigger. My concern is when do they stop being that big and when do we start to see the decline again, if ever? I have a feeling it could go one of two ways, but I wanted to know what you guys thought about stuff. Uh, because it's, it, I don't know, it's been playing, it's been playing on my mind a bit. I think, I think you're definitely right. Uh, and we'll have to get like a, a post session notes from CJ from their perspective as a writer within this scene and doing a lot of actual plays as well. I think you're right. I lit, so on my hard drives or assigned to my itch account, like, I have enough RPGs. If I played them just as base RPGs with all the adventures that are in them, for foreseeably, if I if I'm reasonable about it, for the rest of my life, yeah, like I've got enough literature that I don't need to pick up another book, source book, adventure, and I could play them only up until what's written in there uh, for realistically whatever sessions I need for the rest of my life. Yeah, uh, main, mainly because like I signed up to a bundle, but like. As I said, I've got Lancer. We've got a load of D and D stuff. I've got Starfinder books behind me. I've got uh, Inspire Isles, as you say. I'd like, and they're not like, uh, and I know this is going to sound reductive, but I think it would be interesting. Uh, you were saying before we started recording that it's interesting to compare this to how we're consuming video games and movies. Yes. So I... obviously, with video games, you can like. Even like the big ones, you're pretty much done with a video game after about a hundred hours. Yeah. But like TTRPGs, you could just keep playing them, or or because of the time structure, you know, you can only really play them in maybe up to four to five hour sections. Yeah. And you need a whole group to facilitate that. Uh, not obviously for the solo RPGs, but even yeah. those have got a limited. So it's not a bad comparison to compare them to how the video game market's gone and notoriously the video game market is well it's it's reaching some real uh, critical points here it is and it's but the biggest thing with it is that it, it's continuing to grow it mm. has continued to grow since um i think that the latest market data said something like it's a 200 billion dollar industry and in 2017 it was a 90 billion dollar industry it's only going to keep growing um, until the demand stops. And I think because we've raised generations on video games now, and there is mm. a, there's competitions, esports coming into the foray, like being big events now more mm. than ever, I don't think it's going to show any signs of slowing down in the near future. We, we are reliant on this technology for so much of our entertainment. TTRPGs are very different in that, Yes, uh, things like Critical Role um, and Netflix's Stranger Things has popularized them, but there is also a limit with TTRPGs in that you need multiple people to play unless you're a solo, but those aren't as popular. Um, there are limitations with everyone else's time. And also, is that love of TTRPGs going to be passed on to the next generation, which of course is what Hasbro is attempting to instill at the moment with the movie and with toys and with that entire merch line that is attempting to get a younger generation and to continue to feed into the TTRPG sphere. Mm. I I wonder if at some point um, 
we are going to reach each of us. Like, I don't know how much everyone else spends on TTRPGs in any given year, but with the amount of new businesses spawning uh, every week, there is a new TTRPG being funded on Kickstarter. There is a new TTRPG that someone's just created and has just like put out into the world to see what happens. Something new on the DMs Guild. Um, One shots, full campaigns, whatever it may be. Are we in a position sort of financially as an audience to continue funding it in the way that we have been? Yeah. Or like, when does that stop? And also because like a game you store on a console and generally like, an, or, or it's it's quite small and compact to store. If th- these TTRPGs books, th- we only have so many shelves. <laughs> like I, if I could, I would fill all of our, our shelves with them, but we're reaching a point now where we're having to make decisions and maybe be a little bit more economical with the choices that we make of the TTRPGs that are out there. Like I would love to sponsor all of the new games and ideas and creatives that are coming out now. Yeah, I don't have the funds to be able to do so, nor the space with some of the stuff. And uh, don't get me wrong, PDFs are great. PDFs don't feel the same to me. No. Uh, that's yeah, a, I, that's a choice. I, I messaged that out on Twitter because obviously there's, as you say, there's like, uh, I can't remember, I think it's like Gunbat Batwar or something. That's like the martial arts one that looks really sick. Yeah. There's Hellraise. Yeah. There's like so many. I'm at a saturation point where yeah. I can't play more games. I'm I'm phasing out D&D 5th edition because yeah. like, I think, for, you know, A, because wizards have really poor management, have just really <laughs> lost a lot of social uh, credibility within the space but also i've played that ttrpg for about yeah. for you know the whole life of fifth edition i'm ready to do some more stuff so I, there are other stuff um going out there but i'm at a saturation point of what would i do how many groups could i bring that to that would also be like oh i want to play that specifically and not i want to play a generalist fantasy systems and obviously all the generalist systems like GURPS, uh, Travelers, pretty generalist. Uh, obviously, all the Powered by the Apocalypse versions. Like, how many people can I get excited about that particular thing to play a whole game with? And obviously, like, that might mean that I just scale down my group. So I'm just playing with, like, two or three people. Uh, but you're right. And then also, as you're saying, a lot of the games that are coming up on Itch and have been crowdfunded for Itch and, and don't assume to have a physical release because the finances are just way off mm. um uh like a lot of the physical release obviously has a lot of problems with if there's a problem with the print you know can a small production company survive that kind of issue yeah uh and i was saying like i've got a load of lancer stuff it exists in pdfs and all the the game files that I need exist as small little LCP files. Yeah, I have no idea what that tag means, but there's <laughs> there's small little there's small little nuggets of information that I feed into their CompCon, which is their D and D Beyond, which strikes me as weird. That like, do you, okay, I'll go. On, that's a different round for a different day, and maybe a little bit of discussion. But the, the, that's intangible. And if that if itch.io goes down and if my hard drive fails, I've lost Lancer. And I know Massive Press want to do another a re-release of the core rulebook so it can be widely distributed. But mm-hmm. apart from that, I might just lose that game and tens of you know, hundreds of other games like that. Yeah, it's it's a worry. I think mm. more than anything, like. It's because it's because it's such a, a new booming industry. 
the industry mm. itself has sort of been around since what like the 70s but this boom in it this this last couple of months have been so critical to its development it's almost outstripped itself in terms of what it yeah. can achieve and so people are finding themselves inundated with choice not a lot of ability to play them like it's like having a massive game backlog and not playing all of it like i know i, I know a lot of people will do but like the games that you tend to buy and have in the backlog in your library that you haven't played yet are four pound or like you know up to ten ten pound stuff that you've bought in the sale yeah. um that doesn't take up space and you can easily forget about as opposed to 30 to 80 pounds worth of game system that will sit on the shelf and and that's like that's an elden ring game that's a that's a yeah. A, a new release AAA game um, that, you know, <laughs> on day of release. That's how expensive these things are. And, and, and <sighs> go on, f- finish no, your point. No, no, it, 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 it's more so beyond the sort of financial element of it. It's how many more, creativity is boundless. So many people have so many great ideas and so many cool mechanics mm. and so many things that you want to invest in, but how many more can the industry support as it is? Because it costs so much to produce these things. And if people are all still drawn towards the one big main uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Ed, how many more of these smaller companies can pop up with their own core mechanics and people to be able to afford those as well, as well, as well, as well, as well. And then it's so much when you think about it. Yeah. I don't know. I think the the space is fundamentally going to change. I think we will... Uh, I think having long-running campaigns is going to be a not necessarily uh, a, a bygone era of staple, but definitely a dwindling thing. I can definitely see people picking up cheaper games that are like you know uh, that are on itch.io that are up to thirty pounds for a digital copy, playing those for about five to ten sessions, then moving on to another thing and moving yeah. on to another thing. And as you said, and going back to the financials, as you said, a lot of these are Kickstarter campaigns. Yeah. They're not there's no big publisher out there uh, that is going around publishing these TTRPGs. No. I think that that would be a really smart idea to do. <laughs> uh, but but fundamentally, it works different to books. It works differently to game. Like, you know, video game publishers buy up these small projects or, or do them in-house and then publish them there. And then they get a part of the profits. Whereas now it's all bottom up, where which is, you know, a lot more democratic. But it does mean that some of the smaller creators who just don't have... The time and effort, you know, they're one or two, they're a few people don't have time to do a lot of social media stuff, but have a really well written game that's Mm. really well polished and has been really well done under the ethics that have kind of come up through the community. And it just dies by the wayside or you have a game that does quite well on, on Kickstarter. People get that Kickstarter award, but then it, no one plays it, so no yeah. one plays any updates or sequels. It's it's so interesting and so weird. And it's a little bit scary because if you yeah. think about some of, like, I, I'm raging and, and, and going off on Die the RPG at the moment. I think I cannot wait to play it. Simultaneously, at the back of my head, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to play it. I'm going to be mm-hmm. able to read this book and really enjoy the system for what it is, don't get me wrong. And... Um, 
Kieran and Stephanie and uh, and Grant will have made their money for for sure. Rowan Re- Rowan Rook and Deckard would have will be more than happy with all of the money that I have paid them for this glorious book in all of its amazing quality. Um, mm. But is it enough for it to just sit on a shelf when the entirety of its play is in the imagination and it's not being played? I don't know. It the more the more source material that we have with the inability to play it or the, the, with the form that it's currently in is, is, is a little scary and a little overwhelming when you think about it. I would love nothing more than to play all of the games on our shelf. Um, and as I've said in previous episodes before, I'm very much a person who, if they buy a book for a sister, they're going to play it. And yeah. by God, they're going to like, we're like, we're going to get right into it and play it all the way through. And it's going to be great. That's how I play games because I'm weird. but no that's that's perfectly like logical from from like a payment perspective you're like i'm investing this money i expect to play this product it's not an intellectual exercise which for a lot of the books behind me is Mm -hmm. i have a lot more adventures than i have source books of fifth edition that we've never touched and for me i've been reading through those campaigns seeing what works well in my head or what i like and then transplanting that and sure that's a way to kind of you know grandfather in those ideas but it's not playing the thing it would be like if it would be like if i saw if i read herbert um god i've forgotten who wrote june um herbert Herbert, man that guy herbert bloke fuck i know fuck it no i need to know hang on <laughs> no, no. Quickly, who can continue, Google first? No, continue with the continue with the No, not now. Oh god. Fuck god none of my technology wants to work on me today. Um uh, uh, so yeah, if if Frank I was, Herbert uh, Frank Herbert, I got the go. wrong bit. Fuck. <sighs> Thanks, Frank. Uh yeah, so if I read Frank Herbert's Dune and then like just thought about it and then we're like, oh, you know, I might just talk about it but no one else has a reference point. Nobody else has read it. Nobody understands these ideas. And as you say, you kind of want to play these games because you want, you really enjoy how they're written or you understand the ethics that are brought up here or or the, the themes. And you're like, I want to be, you know, a, a dishonored knight fighting in a, in a cruel, unjust world in order yeah. to do rightly. I want to be a mech pilot who's <laughs> firing big lasers because it's cool. But if you don't do that, is it worth buying the product? I, yeah. As I said, I've got a lot of stuff upstairs and I keep buying Lancer modules and I will just because I love them. But am I ever going to play those adventures and experience them in a way that's in my head? And for some, and if I overread them, and this has happened to me twice, when I when it comes to the table to play them, because I've read them over and over and over again, they've become somewhat canonized for me. As soon as there's any divergence from the path, I'm part of me goes, well, the players haven't invested in as much as I have. We're oh. doing it wrong. Uh, no. <laughs> exactly. Bad take, wrong take. It's the it's the wrong <laughs> thing to think. Yeah. Because you you because you want because the time and money you've invested. And also a lot of people were to I've said on also three times now. Uh <laughs> that a lot of the people who are buying the ttrpgs aren't necessarily just players they tend to be people who run the games so we've got a market that's heavily weighted to people who are intending to run these games yeah and then we've got all these players who don't necessarily need to pick up these because you know it's unfair to just put that responsibility on them but but the other way it does mean that there's a huge burden on people who want to run the games and and sometimes it, it it's not worth the cost Sometimes, and yeah, it 
they're such a nice thing to have. They are such a nice thing to have, and yeah, I'm not debating absolutely. that in any way. But with the way that the market is moving, and with the way that we are consuming media and entertainment moving, which is increasingly online uh, and through things mm-hmm. like social media and whatnot, word of mouth is more important than it ever has been because that's how through social media we learn about stuff someone recommending stuff on their social media is how you inevitably learn about the next big product that's happening um as an example none of you uh or i very i i highly i highly doubt that anybody listening to this Mm -hmm. in the uk knew that critical role was a thing from just you know word of mouth like their friend like from down the road just saying like oh have you checked out critical role like you probably saw a snippet or something on social media yeah and then went oh what's that and then went into it right so here's the thing if critical role weren't playing dungeons and dragons would dungeons and dragons be as big as it is now probably not because critical role has been an absolutely uh, incremental launch point for dungeons and dragons to become as popular as it has been right now um i mean and yeah, it's people you can obviously... playing the game exactly it's people playing the game and then sharing their experiences of it um online and then people going oh actually that looks like fun uh this this oh i can see how it works now i can see how it plays because that works that translates for a bunch of different uh, media outlets right so if people aren't playing the game and if people aren't putting cameras in front of it in this day mm. and age and they aren't showing audiences what it looks like to play that game, to have that experience, to create those characters and all of those connections and show you how the world works, um, are you going to play that game? Are you going to buy that game? Are you going to invest in that game? What's the likelihood? And the more TTRPGs pop up and... What you would hope would happen is that more streaming sites pop up with a a greater audience to them and it spreads quite naturally that way and reaches different areas um, all over the world. It's not a reliable form. Um, And I don't know if the, the creation of new streaming channels, new social media channels, critiquing and playing new TTRPGs is enough to support the number of ttrpgs that we're seeing come out at the moment and i think it's that uh that imbalance that will maybe see the ttrpg bubble burst is my thought and thinking but again i have been known to be be wrong about so many things and so i'd be really happy to be wrong about this i would love to see it go into the stratosphere so i'm i'm going to go for a a positive spin Ooh. okay so we're, we will there's there's a time and a place for us to like discuss how the actual play scene is and yeah. and, and within that politics i think we're going to set that aside for now okay. uh, and we're going to presume that that is a net good for the industry at the moment yeah um as you say it's kind of like exposure exposing audiences to different ttrpgs and and i would say that critiquing like a lot uh you know two-thirds of the rpgs that i've got are from Dicebreaker articles or from people who've read those Dicebreaker articles and read them to me. Literally, Ooh. no one's talked to me about Lancer. I read a Dicebreaker article that said, here's a cool RPG that no one's talking about. No um, it, said the, it said the word modern lasers and I'm like, I'm in, baby. Um, so, <laughs> so thank you very much. I will reference who it is uh, in the show notes. Uh, but I think 
So I, I found, uh, so there's a, a Twitter thread. I don't know what it's at now and I haven't checked it, but I'm going to pop it in the show notes. There's a guy I'm following called Logan, the GM, and he's asking, how can we improve the space? And it's principally talking about uh, the the actual play scene. But oh, I think yeah. people are talking larger in broader sense. One person was talking about itch, uh, itch.io at the moment is, you know, effectively a pub, it's not a publishing house, but like a stock house for, or your digital online, we need that for physical print games. Okay. So I think there is a argument for saying itch, and and I know it goes, it's the antithesis of what they're doing, but you could definitely see an arm of them going, okay, we pre, we publish, I don't know, 10 RPGs a year from a random select that are high performing that haven't been published yet. Mm-hmm. And you could do something like that. I could definitely see, I mean, publish book publishers, you know, novel novellas, novels, and scrime, they are screaming out for new content for, to do and to publish through. Yeah. And this is a very open space, where, which is continually expanding, you know, not infinitely because that's not how markets or things actually grow uh but there's a large enough market that if let's say and i know you're able to buy some ttrpgs at like uh waterstones but if you were able to see like some more indie titles there like i'd pick up a little zine that (laughs) was like a new ttrpg like uh some of the like uh oh god yeah, just there's there's so many out there that if it was just a little zine that was like five pounds or under and they were just mass printed, yeah, then yeah, you could pick that up. I think also we're gonna see more unions in the space. Obviously, oh, the yeah. main union, the main union that people reference when we're in this space is obviously the Paizo union, mm-hmm. and that was obviously born out of the fact that there was poor management within Paizo and underrepresentation, and and you know. Uh, unionization ha- efforts have been happening for a while and then I believe someone got fired and that left the community space in some bad taste and then Paizo recognized that union and they have been working together to make better working di- conditions for writers as we're speaking now there's a writer strike in America for like screenwriters but I think uh, th- you know this industry that we're in that we're pouring a lot of money in needs to have better recognition for each individual creator at every single stage whilst also making sure that people who want to uh, engage with the spaces like I, I hate the word consumer but you know uh, customers yeah. uh, are able to do so <laughs> i think there's going to be bigger unions i think there's going to be some publishing houses coming into the place and i think as you say we've had a dnd movie there's so many other TTRPGs out there. Yeah. I think uh, we'll obviously get, we've had a lot of um, like YouTube online series of various different RPGs or kind of like RPG-less and more talking about more, something closer to like Die RPG where it's talking yeah. about the players and that mechanic. And I think Die RPG is going to be the real antithesis. It's going to be the turning point of what a lot of stuff's happening. Because when you tend to engage with a lot of spaces where an industry tilts or shifts, yeah. uh, both movies and video games have always had the anti-hero moment where anti-heroes become the zeitgeist of a particular uh, genre. And at that point, the industry rotates about 45 degrees and it becomes <laughs> very different. Yeah, I think with games that are die RPG where they're talking about you know, the Paragon and the, what was it? The Paragon the, and Persona. Thank you, Paragon and Persona. Talking about those and acknowledging the player's agency yeah. as, a, as a character is going to make people think a lot more about how 
they can engage with the space. I'm, I feel positively that it can go this way. And a lot of people in the TTRPG space obviously want this to continue and to make sure that it goes forward sustainably. So those yes. are my, those are my pie in the sky thoughts. It won't come without its problems. I think as with any industry oh, that grows, it will come. God. And as like no. you've said, we're seeing with unions basically popping up now going cool. The industry has been born off of the backs of those who have not been paid well, who have not been treated well in the industry mm. uh, historically for God knows how many years. But now that it's big, you can afford to do that. We know that because we're getting the quarterly reports and boy, are you guys making profit? Let's yeah. have some of that back. So it's good to see the industry moving in that direction. It's sad to see unions like that popping up um, or having to as a, as a point of necessity. Um but what it also sort of proves is that like with, with things as successful as Kickstarter um, and proving to be as, as fundamental to new industry, uh, to new companies sprouting up in the space as Kickstarter, um, mm. where it's proof of concept, you pay first, you get the product when the, when that mark is met. Um, and the fact that you have to trust so much in the person producing it, that two-way street of here is my money, produce me the thing that you have promised and whether or not that actually comes through. Again, it works for video games, it works for TTRPGs. It is incremental in ensuring that you do get TTRPGs that people want. Yeah. Again, it's the that payment process. It, if, that was a, if that was on a wider scale, if, if, if it could work on a wider scale, it would be fantastic, but it doesn't at this stage, and that breaks me. The thing, that's, the thing that's useful at this point is that uh, the TTRPG sphere, as for the most part, and there are obvious exceptions, works opposite to movies and video games where there are uh, f big financial bodies that are looking for very non-risky choices for you to make all of the money ever that was ever made yeah. uh, incrementally. Um, and at the moment it's bottom up. There are, you know, it's all the people who are bringing their individual wallets, uh, to, to these schemes and it is going up. Yep. So there is, there is a kind of like a removal and it allows for riskier projects. Uh, I don't think Brindlewood Bay would have survived if it was, you know, the other way round and, mm. and loads of people. And, and, uh, I forget, uh, there's a wonderful TTRPG about an old lady looking after a B and B that's meant to be astounding oh. um oh it's it's astounding and also like really fundamental it's apparently it's really makes you look hard at yourself um, <laughs> oh my god it's, okay it's meant to be incredible so we we wouldn't get these i mean you know you'd get the the occasional one but large financial instability in large financial institutions don't like risk they like big returns on their rewards and people can be upset with a thing if it's produced poorly but it's yep. been produced yep. it's out there yep. so i think we need to we need to maintain that to make sure and we don't want monopsonies we don't want distribution no. points that are so large that they choke out the competition and yep. it is that to a to a point However, it seems to be fairly lax. And from what I can understand, it seems to be pretty creator, um, sorry, creator and content friendly and allowing people to do things like community, uh, community games where yeah. if so many games are bought, they can give some out to the community. So yeah, I'd like, I'd like to maintain those, but you're right. We do need to have a lot of these, 
uh, a lot more avenues and yeah. choices for people. It's It will depend on the innovation that people come forward with and the way that it's not it's not only that the the games uh change in terms of mm. how they present something different from mud and lasers or from uh, dragons and princesses and castles and it it won't depend necessarily on what you can imagine because what you can imagine is boundless it'll be how you imagine it mm. um it's the next stage of of maybe getting a bit meta it's the next stage of figuring out how to differentiate yourself from the rest of the thousands of smaller creators now that exist and how to not only stand out, but also to push the industry forward as well, because let's be fair, who's going to be the next massive sort of triple a version of a TTRPG at the moment, it's Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder um, are the call of duty yeah. in the world of Warcraft of this sort of Microsoft uh, Activision goddamn combination. So what comes next? What is the the next large TTRPG to move up into that space, to burst the bubble, to move it forward? Or does it stagnate? Will the industry... I don't think think our communities will let it stagnate. I don't think we'll run out of ideas or ways in which to circumvent things. I think we will continue to grow at this point. But there's got to come a point where if innovation doesn't doesn't support that creative endeavor, mm. that the effort put in is not going to equal the thing put out. And people are going to get tired of the way th- things are done. And what, yeah. you can't form a union in a smaller industry. You can't, it, it, it's, I mean, you can, you can try. It is so much harder. It is really, really difficult, which is why I stand with the writers over in America because writing is not an industry that is paid well anymore um, since, no. the, since the financial crisis of 2008 when everything pretty much died. Um, the, <sighs> it's hard to put a, a sort of finger on why I think we're nearly at the peak of it but I think we're really fast outstripping our ability to innovate over produce something new and exciting for an audience as massive as it's gotten. Um, I think you're right. It's hard to understand where we're standing in history. Like in 10 years time, we'll look back and we'll go, well, obviously the next big thing was that Shadowrun would have a comeback claim to fame. And that would be the main (laughs) RPG that everyone's running. You're right. What's going to happen? Like, as far as I can tell, the top three big uh, RPGs are Call of Cthulhu, based off a somewhat troubling uh, lore, mm. which has been, you know, re- revitalized and people are enjoying it anew. We've got D&D, which has Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro have got bad faith within the community now. And, and mm. you know, whilst it is they have made steps to getting better, I think a lot of people have been put off for a very long time. Yeah, And obviously the... Uh, things that are previous versions D&D derivatives we've got Pathfinder we've now got uh, Tales of the Valiant coming from Cobalt Press and mm. Pathfinder 2 remastered which is using the new uh, I forget which the, the non-copyright license of the previous OGL but yes Pathfinder 2 remastered is going yeah 
I, 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 think <laughs> I threw my, my hands up at the info- OGL word. I was just like, nah, no, fuck this. My brain dumped all that information after we did that episode. <laughs> oh, like, God, I was genned up for that. I was genned up for the test, and then it's gone. I was but ready yeah, for I- everything, and then the minute they were like, yeah, no, it goes back to the way it was, I just wanted to punch something. I was so yeah. mad. I was so... You make us scramble, you make us do that, you piece of God damn it. <laughs> But you're right. Like, yeah. are, are the main staples going to be things that we enjoy in... And there's no way to tell. And Mm-mm. and uh, the only allegories that we have at the moment are movies and video games yeah. and and book genres. They're not quite the same. Not really. But I guess... But yeah, it's um, um, what we don't want is to see that the the things that we dislike about those industries, you know, like Audible basically ripping off uh, all authors and yep. being the conglomerate. Uh, we're seeing video game massive publishers that are doing terrible things and are treating their staff really poorly. Mm-hmm. And there are terrible things happening there in order to make all the money in the world when they're just like, oh, but we're a tiny industry. But as you <laughs> said, it's so gigantic, it would eclipse several countries put together. And obviously movies, which, you know, have such enormous mind-blowing budgets in order to make movies that sometimes if they don't make all that profit in the first weekend, it's recorded as a as a loss and yep. they never make that thing again. Pressure on the... The pressure is huge to ensure yeah. it succeeds now that we are at the base of this boom we're watching it skyrocket we've it's never been as popular a medium for entertainment than it has where we go with it and how it grows will dictate whether or not this industry becomes something incredibly exciting and really really great to be a part of as it presently is i would argue uh or whether it becomes as toxic as something like the video game industry or the publishing industry or as a lot of large media entertainment companies tend to be just not great with Mm. when it comes to track records of treating their staff equally um we do have the opportunity to try and set that now I don't think we're doing a great job of it because obviously a lot of the roots of the major players are based back in the seventies and they've been working on practices that date back to then. Um, it's, I think, I think we're also stuck in not thinking about it as an industry. Yeah. It's individual products. It's individual products. We're all thinking about, I'm thinking about how great Lancer is and how everything, but you know, I take two steps to the left and see like, you know, are the, is the community that's in Lancer treating RPGs the same way that they're doing for Battletech, which is, you know, a very similar game for obviously like MechWarrior and stuff mm. like, and, and we need to think broader as the industry whole are the writers on the projects for the things being recognized or yeah. are they like, or are, is there stuff being rewritten? You know, are, are, is the artwork being properly like uh, commissioned and paid for? Yep. Uh, and yeah, there's so many things. I think as soon as we start thinking larger about it being an industry and also really acknowledging the real work that actual players are doing in bringing these products to people to yeah. understand and that is the entertainment. Like, I think people, I think I, uh, a lot of the publishers, I think now recognize actual plays as this is part of the product. Yes. But I think a real recognition of that uh, as a real tentpole within the industry is is quite critical to us going forward. Yeah, massively so. Couldn't put it any better myself. Well done. You <laughs> did. Proud. I just summarized some of your points. <laughs> 
Disagree. Disagree. You're very important to me. Please don't go forming a union against me. That would be that would be well within your rights and I support you. <laughs> we are pro union, but don't make a union specifically against me. Just 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 me. <laughs> just, just This is the anti Jess union. Really sorry. Uh, oh Every not time. you, Jess. Oh, just other, that chest. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. So, sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for the confusion. I'm a piece of shit. Uh, but I don't, <laughs> I'll just put that out there now. Uh, but thanks. Big fan. Great to be recognized with this anti me union. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> On the whole, pro union. Unions are big and cool. Uh, unfortunately they they tend to be needed for things that are bad. Uh, but like, you know, Hello. pro union, they're very cool. Uh yeah, um, I think that's pretty much like I th- I know that that was a bit more of a just a general discussion about where we feel in the moment, but I think we need to acknowledge as you as you pointed out, need to acknowledge where we're at, mm. so we understand how to make positive steps forward. So it's, I'm really glad that we can. It's have this really chat. easy to enjoy a TTRPG, and it's really easy to enjoy your favorite games. It's much harder mm. to look at the industry that they come from and go, "Oh, there's problems here. This mm. is this might not be sustainable." The thing that I really love and really enjoy and want more of we might not be able to get more of because the thing it comes from is inherently bad in these many ways. How do we fix it? How do we make it work? And how do we make it bigger and better so that everybody can come and enjoy this thing uh, in the future instead of, I don't know, some people suffering so that other people can enjoy it. (laughs) Ta-da! Yeah. I mean, Ursula K. Le Guin might have some stuff to say about that specifically, but yeah, sure. Um... Thank you, dear listener, for taking on our notes because you all, you need to be solving this. Uh, we've washed our hands of it now. That's it. We did the talking. This is a podcast. It's now down to you and your individual actions to change the whole of the TTRPG industry. Sign this petition. Pay this money to. I don't know. There'll be a party up for it at some point. Um, but no. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you have any final thoughts or? Final thoughts. Honestly. I think we've laid it all out quite nice and clearly mm. with a healthy dose of sarcasm. The sarcasm being, uh, no, we don't believe in whatever Sam just said. Uh, the- <laughs> <laughs> Sarc- <laughs> me, yeah. Uh, support your local gaming industry, support the wider industry, and also pay attention to the news and take a look at the inside workings of the companies that you're buying the products from and just double check as well to see what's going on behind the curtain what's going on behind the pages uh be aware more aware Mm. of the products that you are buying into before throwing your hard-earned money at any old random shite uh that will inevitably give the ttrb industry a bad name um give it more thought is will always be my major take home realistically I think you all deserve the best TTRPGs that are out there and that only comes with individual research um, and an ability to talk about them with other people. Yay, that's it. Yay. How about you? Any any closing remarks, closing thoughts? I, um, I like to think with a positive aspect, I think that there are going to be, as you say, some fundamental changes which are going to be pretty bad overall but i think they're going to be steps towards making this industry more sustainable more stable and having it so more people can enjoy games that they like in a in ways that they can like them um yeah. i i like to believe that that will happen and i will be taking active steps to make sure that that happens uh but yeah 
That's 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 my thoughts. Um, excellent. Ooh. So, uh, Jess, you uh, discussed it earlier. Yes. Where can we watch you on D20 Deathmatch? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can watch me on D20 Deathmatch playing Biff T. Understudy, uh, questing time favourite and a fanatical goon. Um, returning uh, as on part two of Vithorn's Revenge on uh, D20 Deathmatch alongside B. Dave Walters. Uh, should be released on the 17th of May on YouTube um, and 24 or 7 on Twitch. So you can go check that out there. Um, you can find me on in general uh, at Dr. Bees on Twitter is where I'm most active at Jula Hoop on Instagram where I'm really not. Um, and if you really want, you can try and find me on Facebook, but I, I'm, I don't, the, the boomers live there now. I am not yeah. there. <laughs> we don't go there, Simba. <laughs> um, Sam, where can we find more of your stuff? Uh, you're already listening to At The Table, a Project Headphones production. Uh, we are Project Headphones on Instagram. I don't really go there. Uh, TikTok, <laughs> I post clips from this show there. And Twitter, where I mainly retweet stuff that Lancer people are doing. Uh, and occasionally stuff that Jess has done that I'm like, more people need to understand what uh, an insane goof uh, Jess is. Uh, and just kind of general uh in education around these issues uh yes and if you need to contact the show at all email sam at projectheadphones.com or at the table at projectheadphones.com thank you so much for listening i know this has been quite a, an in-depth dive into the space as it is he gesticulates wildly around the microphone but thank you for bearing with us i i think it is going to be uh, there is going to be some change but i'm really grateful that we've got really wonderful friends around us that we can help guide that process and play cool games about. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Have a good one, guys. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to our show. At the Table has been a Project Headphones production, and you can see more of our work over at projectheadphones.com. Uh, I wanted to say, between us recording this and it going out, uh, the United Paizo workers have had a tentative agreement with Paizo, and you can read more about it on their website. I have popped a link in the show notes. Uh, and if you would like to support them and their efforts, you can go over to their webpage, because they have a red bubble, and you can buy cool things like a mug, in which you can support workers and support people in an industry that we love, uh, and do cool stuff. You can obviously donate direct to them. Uh, as we've said earlier in the show, we are pro-union. Uh, we think unions are big and cool, and people getting correct recognition for their work is really important for this industry. So please go and support them or support like efforts within the industry if that's something you'd like to do. Uh, it's something I will be doing. Anyway, to get in contact with the show, please email at the table at projectheadphones.com Please remember to rate, review, and share amongst your friends. It's the best way to get the show out there, and we can do bigger and better things. Our music was Captain Scurvy by Kevin MacLeod at Incomputech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attributions for License. Uh, thank you very much, and roll well. <laughs>